0: Listen to Give and Go Vikes with Liam and Tyler, supported by the UVic Alumni Association. we're back on give and go bikes with another episode for you guys this time on the show we had andrea farmer and ethan phillips from the bike swim team tyler what did you think of the interview super
1: fun interview i know ethan a little bit he's popped into my office for a couple projects so i knew he was going to be a great guy i've never really spoken that much to andrea i'm just glad i didn't call her andrea because i had a an issue with that name. Back at my old job, I kept calling a girl Andrea when her name was actually Andrea. So my brain is just hardwired that way. Mm -hmm. But uh, super fun interview. We wanted to get into a little bit more, maybe about uh, Andrea, what she's doing with the Alberta government this summer. And you know, she just took the LSAT recently. So maybe into what she's doing outside of her time with the Vikes. But like I mentioned at the end of the podcast, we were on her lunchtime break. So we couldn't really run too long, but there's some there's some stuff there. If we want to go back for a
0: part two one of these days, you never know, right? Yep. There's, there was absolutely some interesting stuff that we chatted about. I think it was cool to get a different insight on the coaching dynamic between the man they call Smokey and Peter. Two great coaches for the program, two different perspectives, and Peter has been there with 30-ish plus years of experience. What did we say it's at? 38 years? 38. Is that right? yeah. 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 Wild to think that he's been with the program that long.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So lots to get to. We're not going to keep you guys any longer. Enjoy the chat with Ethan and Andrea. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. On today's podcast, we got Andrea Farmer, a four-year swimmer from Edmonton, and Ethan Phillips, a third-year swimmer from the hidden gem of the province, Kamloops. This past year, UVic hosted U-Sports Swim Championships here in Victoria, and it's good to see both of these swimmers compete in the pool. Andrea and Ethan, thanks for coming on the show today and chatting with us.
0: How are you guys doing today? Good, thank you. I'm doing very well, thank you. Tyler, how excited were you to call Kamloops a hidden gem?
1: This is the first Kamloops guy we've had (laughs) on the pod. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, let's get started by getting to know you both a little bit better. Andrea, coming from Alberta... How did you find yourself swimming with the Vikes?
2: Well, so when I was in high school, my head coach was a former UVic alumnus. He swam through the Vikes, and so he always spoke really fondly about his time with the team. And, you know, I think he kind of hoped that at least one of his swimmers would go to UVic as a result of his influence. And so I guess that ended up being me, and I, my home club always participated in this meet that uvix affiliate club pcs hosts every december and I went, I went to those meets every year as long as i've been swimming and i've just always liked it i've always liked the atmosphere of racing in victoria and i thought you know why not ditch a cold winter for some rain but milder climate and swim in victoria for my undergrad very cool
0: ethan uh, same question for you tell us a little bit about how you found yourself in victoria
3: yeah, so for me, I grew up in Kamloops and, you know, I competed there, raced there, but my family came down to the island quite often for the May long weekend for Remembrance Day, kind of all the big events, because it really was something to see all the parades and whatnot and just such a beautiful place in the province. So when our family was thinking about moving when I was halfway through grade 11, it just kind of came naturally that Victoria was at the top of our list. And so when we moved down here, I kept racing. I became acquainted with the bikes team in the pool and at the competitions. And when I was looking at universities, I was really impressed with what UVic had to offer. And I decided that this was my place to stay for my undergrad degree.
1: Cool. What high school did you go to in Canvas before you left? (laughs)
3: <laughs> I went to the good old South Camera, used to be called Cam High, oddly enough. Oh, yeah. My dad and I both went to the same high school. They had done minimal renovation to it, and it was pretty much exactly the same when my dad and I went and checked it out on my first day of grade eight there. Liam, you'll be
1: happy to know that high school produced Kelly
3: Olenek, NBA yes, star. Yes, that's right. I think you just
1: butchered
0: this, the pronunciation of <laughs> Olenek, not Olenek.
1: That's how I I get I get a lot of heat for that for calling him Yeah. I know the dad and I know the family a little bit, but that's just that's just how
0: I say it. What do you call somebody from Camloops? Is it a Camloopian? That's right. Oh, Camloopsian. What, what, Loopsian. Yes. Wow. I never would have guessed that. Well you two are two proud Camloopsians then I guess. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. <laughs> how much impact did your brother Austin have on your decision to get into swimming as a kid, Ethan? Or or was it the other way around?
3: Well, it was kind of we both started off being like pretty much all Canadians where you're in a little bit of everything. You know, I was in house soccer and hockey and my parents wanted us to know, learn how to swim. And it just came down to, we had to pick one and my brother and I both decided that swimming was the one for us. And he really excelled when he was young and he was, You know, he was actually the best in the country up until he was about 12 years old. So he was really this powerhouse in the pool. And, you know, being the older brother and not wanting to be outdone by the younger brother, you know, he really, you know, made me want to do my best so that I could also excel in the sport. So your your primary races now are backstroke and freestyle, right?
0: Yes, that is right. Um, Have you always gravitated towards them or kind of a new thing or
3: what? I always seem to have a, it's probably been since I was 16. So for the last five years, it's just been, they just kind of became the natural sports for me. I was always in an, an endurance swimmer and with backstroke, you have to have some endurance for the longer 200 with your kick, your legs start to go out on you. So if you got that endurance background, it really makes you, a a bigger force to be reckoned with in the pool because you can just keep going and going and going and so it just kind of came naturally to me and and i loved it
1: i'm always curious to hear how swimmers ended up in specific strokes andrea as a breaststroke specialist was that your favorite stroke growing up or how did you end up competing in that with the vikes
2: yeah, I mean, it was kind of a weird progression. I started swimming as a relatively late boomer. I started when I was 10, which is young when you think about it. But in terms of some swimmers that start competitively training when they're, you know, four to six, I, that's kind of late. And when I started, I started excelling really quickly and moving up to like provincial levels rel- relatively early after I started. And I, I started out as a distance freestyler, I guess, further back than that. I um, I like swimming backstroke just because I liked spinning my arms really fast, but that didn't really get me very far. So I didn't keep swimming backstroke. And, and then I qualified for my first provincials and all of that actually in a distance freestyle race by winning. The sub provincial level, I qualified for provincials that way. And it was at that provincial meet that I I made through distance freestyle where I was put in like a 200 breaststroke race as a long shot just to see, you know, I needed something else and the team needed points. They put 11 year old me in this random race. And one of my coaches was like, you know what, she's going to be a breaststroker. And the head coach was like, not a chance, no way. Like, she's not good at breaststroke and she's not going to be good at breaststroke. But they put me in it and I ended up swimming with the coach that said I was going to be good at breaststroke the next year. And I ended up within a year of swimming with her competing at the national level in breaststroke. So I think it's also kind of a, everyone that swims breaststroke seems to get into it by accident because they're not really good at the other strokes or um, they have some sort of weird body anomaly. Like for me, it's my um, hip and knee flexibility that make it so that I can do the breaststroke kick better than I can do most other kicks. So everyone seems to stumble into breaststroke kind of by accident <laughs> so that's the same for me as
1: well breaststroke was always my favorite maybe because i'm i mm-hmm. don't i don't have the ability to spin my arms super fast like you i guess <laughs> but how uh yeah. just curious so you know there's a lot of people that came out to watch all the swimmers at the nationals this past february how long did yeah. it take you both of you to achieve u-sports qualifying times with the bikes
2: Oh, um, well, I came into the program out of grade 12, and I was relatively close to the standards. I, I was closer than a good amount of recruits normally are when they come to our program, but then I had fallen on a bit of a rough patch with swimming and brushstrokes. One of those things where if it's not on, it's you're going to struggle uphill for a while, and I had hit one of those years the year prior to swimming with the Vikes and my first year, and so I didn't qualify for youth sports my first year. And then I... Trained really hard between my first and second year in the summer, and focused on things that I wasn't good at. I got stronger, I got fitter, and then I came back in that fall and qualified for the first time, which was really exciting. And for it to the standards to a little bit faster than I had qualified, and I got stuck in a really awkward position of having swum under the standard but not quite performing at the U sport meet in my second year. So I had to, I was in the position of having to requalify. So in uh, the 2018-2019 season, I swam, you know, I think within half a second of the standard. I think it was six or seven times that we calculated I had done that. I, I, I kept hitting it, kept just missing it. I kept going the exact same time. And yeah, I didn't make it at all in my third year. And then this year I came back. Uh, I had another summer like between my first and second year. And I just did, I loved swimming too much to let myself keep, you know, losing to myself on that standard. So I ended up qualifying again this year and dropping a lot of time to do so. And I'm kind of feel like I'm at a place now where I'm now pre-qualified for, you know, next U-sports season and I'm not in that position again. Cause it's, yeah, it's really draining as an athlete.
1: Ethan, I'll get your take on U-sports qualifying in just a second, but I want to follow up with Andrea here. Now I heard you mentioned it took like six or seven times to get the U-sports qualifying time. I heard that time you kept hitting 236 right on the nose. Uh, did Did you have some teammates giving you a hard time about that at all?
2: I mean, so I think during my third year, I was kind of in a place mentally where I kept going the same time where I was giving myself like an actual hard time about it and no one really wanted to... Make jokes or comment on it at that point because I was actually in a place where I couldn't talk about how I kept going the same time. But then when I came back to the beginning of this season and I was hitting the times I I was hitting at the end of last season, and yeah, I was stuck at that 2:36 place. And every swim I did, it felt like I finished no matter how. Like it was pretty early in the season still, but I kept finishing my swims and seeing that that 2:36 on the board. And yeah, it became a little bit of a team joke. I think I kind of you know, I I think I let it be a joke a little bit because I was laughing at myself for it and I made I made a few memes about I kept that uh, was repeatedly hitting that same time and so I think people sort of, you know, yeah, it it was it was a big big team joke.
1: <laughs> Ethan, you were in the backstroke
3: at Nationals this past February? Yes, I was in oh i was in all of my classic ones the the backstroke you know 200 backstroke which is always on the last day with the with my other big event the 1500 so it's always gotta dig deep for the last day (laughs) no but it's it's good fun yeah no it was uh the meet was really exciting it was great fun we had a tremendous performance i think i oh i remember we were looking at it afterwards and the women's team had doubled the amount of points at U-Sports that they had gotten at when we had U-Sports here compared to when I first started and U-Sports was in Toronto three years ago. The women's team had managed to double their point score and just really be this powerhouse of a team in that short amount of time. And when did you guys end up finishing as a team this year?
2: I think the women were third.
3: Yes. No. That's yeah. I, I yep. think the women were third, and I think the men were fifth. fifth?
1: I want to say fifth.
2: Yeah.
3: Danielle Handus might have helped out with bumping up those scores over
1: the past couple of years. <laughs> for sure.
2: Danielle, Danielle does her Danielle thing, and we, all, we can all thank her for that. Four gold
3: medals will do that to you. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. You know, just one of those people that you always want to have on your team because she's always upbeat, you know. She gets the job done. And she's there for you behind your back. You know, she's got, she leads us off strong and she sticks there and she cheers you on for your races too. So it's just really, she's much more than just the medals, the gold medals that she gets. She's just really this, she's one of the backbones of our team. And she always seems to have a smile on her face. Absolutely, always upbeat, always happy. And always willing to put a smile on your face too.
2: I going to say about Danielle, she, her and I are in the same year. I've, you know, been doing this with her since first year. And one of the things about Danielle is just like how simple she makes the sport of swimming. Like I've gone to her with my own goal times when I've been when I've been low in the sport, when I've been high in the sport and I have had like relatively ambitious goal times. And I, I go to her with it. You know, there are some people that are more honest with, than others with you when you have ambitious goals. Every single time she's just like, oh yeah, do it. Why not? It's the funniest thing. Like she's just just that kind of like like there's nothing that she can't do and that she wouldn't encourage other people to do because it, to her it's just really you know why not just do it so I think that's really cool to have in a teammate and friend
0: so we're going to stay on that topic a little bit and talk about your coaches Peter and Ryan what do they like as coaches and as motivators
2: oh boy <laughs> both um, probably well, pretty different
0: i think they have different approaches they're,
2: they're they're very different i mean first of all i think peter the best thing the best example i can give but he's also a medical doctor so mm-hmm. he he has a relationship i think with most of his swimmers that extends beyond a regular coach because i mean i know back in El back in alberta i've been home and i've had you know like peter what's going on can i call you quickly to to make sure i'm not dying like <laughs> he's one of those coaches i think and but in terms of motivation Smokey's very um how would you put it ethan
3: Uh, Smokey is i find you know he's got that youthfulness with him right you know he's not that far removed from the team you know he himself used to be on the team used to be a great swimmer and so it's quite easy for him to kind of connect you know energize the swimmers with their races because you know you've got this coach who not too long ago was racing himself on our mm. same team so why do you guys call him smoky what's the story behind that
2: <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's because he's a vegan and he's always liked smoky hot dogs or something to do with that it's back from when he used to swim with the club team or with um the bikes and it just stuck
3: i do know the story oh um, I I do know the story myself. And I hope he'll be fine with me sharing it. But it was when he was used to be a club swimmer back in the day, you know, before he started university, he had gone to a local golf course with his team, you know, as part of a, you know, a social event. And their menu had listed a smoky on the menu. And well, when it Came out and arrived. He dutifully noted that it was just a hot dog and not quite <laughs> a, food. and so and uh, oddly enough, the next time that when when they came back. They had indeed changed the menu to say hot dog and not a smoky, so oh my god. that's where the nickname comes from. Oh my god! I definitely thought it was because he
0: had like a very deep smoky voice. <laughs> Anybody that knows him knows that his voice is like irregularly deeper than most people's. Well, I, I think. But, that's, but
2: his laugh is very high.
0: <laughs> is it really? I've never heard him laugh.
2: <laughs> I, think he, I, think he's, I think he's made a conscious effort to make his laugh sound a few octaves lower than it is <laughs>
1: <laughs> hmm. I'm curious if he did the Michael Scott when he ordered a Smokey and he came out
3: as a hot dog did he send it back? Hello. He didn't, I, I don't think he quite sent it back, but I think he, you know, he made it very clear that it was not what he was expecting. <laughs> that's great. Kyle, you had to work in an office reference. You love the office. Yeah, I, I think that
1: one kind of missed. That one
0: didn't land so well. But yeah, that's okay. you know, you've had better ones. <laughs>
1: that's okay. Road trips, you guys are on the road lots competing in Vancouver meets in between the Canada West and U Sports meets. Lots of team trips and vans. We heard Peter drives a lot of the vans. What are those road trips like with Peter behind the wheel?
2: Well, we were in Arizona for our training camp, and we had a little van that Peter drove us around for the 10 days. And, yeah, he's just uh, hes a very intense driver. He takes speed bumps as a suggestion, and I think he might actually decide to speed up over speed bumps to really get the full effect. And, you know, if you're sitting in the back of one of Peter's vans when you hit a speed bump, you might actually hit six feet in the air we have a meet that we attend at the beginning of November, which Ethan can attest to is college Cup at UBC. And we always, we travel back the Sunday night after the meet and there's always a huge rush to get to the ferry from the pool. And Peter doesn't always necessarily, um, he takes he takes a strange way of getting there and he's just very frantic the whole time and you know, there's every so often he'll stop at a red light and get out of the car and go talk to Smokey who's in the like the next lane over and like what? It's just <laughs>
0: yeah. No way. Right, he he's thinks? never thought of just you guys haven't thought of just making reservations on the ferry and just not well, rushing it?
3: Well the problem is is that <laughs> with U Sports, you know, and Canada West, because they are televised, they have a nice organized schedule, but you don't get that so much with just regular run of the mill competitions. Oh, okay. So, it's although there are timeouts that say, you know, oh, the meet's going to be done at 6:30, you know, depending, you know, there's sometimes technical delays or, you know, there's just things that can pop up that can cause the meet, you know, to be delayed by an hour or for some reason it's running fast. So making the reservation is really tricky. And so it's always hard because, you know, we're all wanting to come back and Peter wants us to get back as soon as possible so that, you know, we aren't catching the nine o'clock ferry out of Vancouver, you know, getting into bed at 11 o'clock. And then, you know, some of us have eight thirty classes on the Monday. He's just trying to make it the best possible return trip for everybody on the team. And after around like 30
0: plus years of experience, you got to imagine he's got this down to a science. Oh, oh he abs- down to a science. An absolute <laughs> science.
3: You know, he pro- could probably write a paper on how to get, you know, from UBC to uh, the ferry terminal as fast as possible. <laughs> he's probably yeah. got those
0: red lights that he gets out and talks to uh, Ryan at like pinpoint Timed. on the Timed. map. Yeah. Yeah, a record time to make it to or, this stop today. That blows yeah, my if mind.
2: And if, well, if you're the passenger in the front seat of either Peter's van or Smokey's van, you know, Peter's going to ask you to call Smokey and just ask Smokey where he is. And, you know, Peter with his high energy, like we got to make the ferry and Smokey just with his, yep, I'm right behind him. I can <laughs> see him. He's two cars ahead of me. It's just the, the contrast between them. I've always thought is just very funny.
3: I think that that and that's kind of what makes the it's such an enjoyable experience because you have these two dynamic combination of two very different coaching styles. And, oh, you know, yeah. that just it works so well for the team because, you know, you're, you're bound to put a smile on your face when you get, you know, moments from both of them.
2: Peter also really like well, smoky, too, but much more in a dry, a dry humor way. But Peter really likes to roast his swimmers. Oh, God. Um, and he, he loves to be at the head of a joke. Like, he loves to be the one that comes up with a nickname, and then if it it catches on and everyone's laughing at the nickname, he's never going to drop it.
3: (laughs) Always good-hearted, though. Always, you know, never mean, you know, it's just a good-hearted chuckle. Mm -hmm. We heard he gives you a hard time about your
1: hunting hobby, Ethan. (laughs) Do you care to
3: elaborate on that? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I haven't really... (laughs) Um, I just, I don't really, I wouldn't say he gives me a hard time. It's just Mm -hmm. that, you know, he just didn't necessarily, you know, unless you kind of grow up in the community, like in that kind of sphere of influence. I mean, I came up through Boy Scouts, you know, Kamloops does have quite a few groups that are, well, Scout groups, especially, I think they've got six that are involved with hunting, outdoors activities and whatnot. And so for me, it was just kind of, you know, it's just a natural progression of how things were. You know, I always, you know, I I do it, you know, I don't do it for just the fun of it, you know. it You know, I believe that, you know, there is, you know, an ethical component to it. And Peter, he's, he's, he tries joking around, you know, he'll, he knows that I'm not those people that head over and hunt safari animals just for the fun of it. He knows that there's more to meet the eye than that he knows that i i do my best i don't do anything just for i i think he'd understand a lot better if he was a kamloopsian by the sound yeah yeah yeah, it's just from it's just really from he just doesn't he just just not something that he really knew about (laughs) at the time and he's a very curious character and he enjoys kind of broken and prodded for information sometimes (laughs) Uh, and, so, yeah, <laughs> and, and we heard he's not scared to engage with a
1: political science question, <laughs> politics or, or world events topics with you, Andrea.
2: I mean, okay, well, I, I'm sure you can imagine that Peter being from Victoria on the lower mainland, you can imagine there are some things that he doesn't necessarily see eye to eye on with an Albertan. Uh, oh yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I honestly think that I'm, I'm, relatively logical and I'm not super hard set in my ways but there'll be oh my goodness I can't get him to stop this he likes to email me news articles (laughs) Especially to a couple outlets that I don't have subscriptions to. He likes to email me those news articles and then ask me if I've read them. During the season, I've been held out of getting in the water at the start of a training session because he'll want to ask my opinion on something. And when he he asks for my opinion, what he really means is that he thinks something different and he just wants to have his dose of an argument over it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's looking for his opportunity to tell you his opinion
2: (laughs) Exactly, and I, I don't know. I I feel for the team most of the time because they often get caught in the middle of hoping Peter's gonna explain something to the team about you know practice or swimming, but he's no, he's he's in the middle of engaging me on some <laughs> something that's not really relevant to what we're doing in the pool. <laughs>
0: okay let's bring it back and talk about them a little bit more as coaches here because i i feel like eclectically they're two such funny different characters to be coaching together oh yeah um and you guys actually have these massive big heads that you bring out (laughs) uh do they come to every meet with you
2: no actually we i think it started at our training camp this year it might have been early january there were a few of us that were talking about you know it'd be funny to have a couple of those as a joke and I have a bit of a craftier side and I thought, you know, I, I bet I can print off, <laughs> I can make these signs. And so Youth Sports was the first and only time we unveiled them. Oh, I
3: sweet. hope we
2: use them again. I think they were <laughs> they were a big hit. I just thought it, you know, everyone knows, everyone across Canada knows Peter as this character. And I thought it'd be hilarious to have a sign of him. And I think they were actually a pretty big hit. So I hope we use them again. <laughs> I hope they're being well-preserved right now.
3: <laughs> yeah, where are they stored? <laughs> they are actually um, being looked after by uh, Jack Savage and Patrick McCurville right now.
2: Yeah, they have a, there's a house <laughs> where a few of the other swimmers live, and they've got some of our team mementos there.
0: Tyler and I were just saying, we think that Jack Savage may be one of the best sports names that we have on all the
3: bikes. Oh, no. Isn't
2: it? (laughs) uh, You know,
3: I'm just going to point out, we've got a a new rookie coming in next year, and his name is Jacob Rambo.
0: Whoa. Okay, that's another good one. There we go. I'm expecting a Savage and Rambo
3: podcast episode. Yeah. They're both great characters i mean i've known well i mean jack and i you know we're both calum's boys you know i was gonna say tell him where he's from yeah exactly jack you know (laughs) jack is from calus you know and he also went to south cam as well we were uh we were all in the french immersion program together and we had a great time on the team together you know he spent more time with my brother he came on into the senior group a little bit later than I had. So it was actually just when we were moving out that he was coming into the senior group. So unfortunately, I don't quite know him as well as my brother did back when we were in Kamlips. But Jacob Rambo is also an interesting character because we, he actually is from, I met him at a meet in Vernon. And when he was about seven or maybe six, he was a really young fellow. And I can just remember this little tiny kid learning to swim and, was, and on the side of his cap, it said Rambo. And I was like, huh, oh, look, that's so cool. And, you know, his name is like he's got Rambo on the side of his cap. And my good friend from Salmon Arm, Ethan Quilty, who was also one of my, uh, one of the guys I raced against, he's like, no, 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 his name's actually Jacob Rambo. And here we are now, you know, I find myself, you know, once again, uh, having the pleasure of racing and having Jacob with me on a team, you know, and this time we're at university here at UVic. That's going to be fun. It's, good. it's cool how things come full circle like that. Oh, yes. Okay, so we're going to we're gonna
0: pivot here, and I want to talk about some slapping. So muscle activations, when you're, you're swinging your arms, you're slapping yourself before the race. Ethan, I know you're a pretty big slapper. Um, <laughs> are there some people that do this for, like, half an hour? And is it really that necessary to, like, slap yourself and swing your arms around like that to get ready?
2: Totally a preference.
3: Well, for me personally, the reason why I do it – there's two times where I'll I'll do it. It's I'll do it so that I can make sure that my arms are warmed up right before the race, you know, just to make sure that the blood's flowing, you know, it's all right there. But also if you get a really high adrenaline rush right before a race, you can start feeling numb and can kind of feel somewhat weird as if it's almost in the kind of extra sensory experience. Like you aren't quite there and you aren't quite feeling things properly. Mm -hmm. So When you slap yourself and stuff like that, it kind of seems to bring yourself back into focus. You know, like, okay, here's my hand. You can still feel things properly because when you hit the water and you start swimming, you know, you kind of, you want to have still some awareness of what your arms and your legs are doing in the water. You don't want to feel like you've just got spaghetti going on. Is it a little bit of an intimidation factor as well? Like
0: when you're behind the blocks and you're slapping yourself and you look over to your left and your right, your opponents aren't slapping and you're just like, oh, I, I got this. I know I have it.
3: I believe that it can absolutely be used as a psychology factor. I mean, there's so much, you know, that goes into messing with other people. I mean, a big one is, you know, just colors themselves, you know, as, as Canadians, you know, we're really lucky because we've got red as mm-hmm. our national color. And when you've got any advantage that you can use against your opponent, is absolutely fair game when you're up on the blocks at Sports trying to get medals for your team and for your university i would give myself body gloves if i was
0: racing <laughs> okay let's do a little run back and talk about some of the the biggest slappers on bikes history that you guys have come across including past biggest bikes slapper. as well yeah, who are some of the Ooh. people that get up there and absolutely just slap themselves silly?
2: I think it's easier to think about who doesn't slap. Like there's a couple of people that are just stoic before they swim, which I think is crazy. Like I slap myself to the extent that Ethan was talking about where it wakes up my limbs, but um mm-hmm. nothing crazy. This is before Ethan's time, but in my first year we had a, a swimmer named Brett Zolan and he's a big slapper like he he was a he's a big tall muscular guy and he always smacked himself to <laughs> you can always tell who the slappers are if you go back and look at old pictures because they just mostly have bright red splotches on their chest and I think it's probably more a maybe a guy thing because they have higher muscle masses than most swimming girls but yeah I, what do you think Ethan
3: you know I kind of think this we, we also see kind of with a slapping also with kind of the little bit of performance, you know, like the showmanship behind the blocks. I mean, we kind of see that a little bit with Patrick, you know, that's kind of become more and more (laughs) of a thing. That being said, you know, like he's come a really long ways and, you know, I mean, good for him. You know, if that's what gets him going and fired up and ready to just just throw down against everybody else, well, I mean, all the power to him.
2: We have another boy in Ethan's year, Zach Dumas, who, um, (laughs) Everyone, everyone affectionately refers to, or most people affectionately refer to him as muscle hamster. He's just, he's like, he's not going to like me for saying this. He's five four. just kidding. He's like <laughs> okay. five five eight. He is like, yeah, really muscularly dense and he always gets up behind the blocks and just, right, right, Ethan? He, he, he slaps yep. himself like pretty oh, hard, yeah. like pretty intensely. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: Gets like all the yeah, muscles like going, like he's just like, he looks like he's just going to like really just
0: like
3: <laughs> bust out of himself. Like he's ready to go. <laughs> I'd be the guy that's trying to put on
1: a show. I'd be doing not only the slaps, I'd do some (laughs) jumpy jacks, some shadow boxing, maybe a couple karate kicks. Oh, my goodness. Just just to let everyone know how crazy I am.
2: There was a boy uh, that used to swim out of Edmonton, and I think he had a brief stint with UBC. He was actually pretty good. He was one of the top brushstrokers in the country, and he had a whole thing. He would bang his chest. He would spit water. He would yell like, like he would do this whole gorilla thing. (laughs) Madman. <laughs> yeah, he was. A, there's some people that just did the absolute show of it. It's crazy.
0: I think that was actually Tyler. <laughs> Tyler was a <laughs> he two used to sport be, athlete. He used to be a
2: swimmer, yeah.
0: Yeah, two sport athlete, swimming and baseball. I believe Yeah, it. he just had swimming as cardio, but he, he also had it in there because he just <laughs> loved to slap himself.
2: No kidding.
1: Well, I can't imagine there's too much slapping going on at practice, but we're curious what your practices are actually like, what the dynamics like in the pool there. No, know you guys are doing an endless amount of kilometers, but how much competition <laughs> actually takes place at practice? Are you guys often racing against one another?
2: Well, the way our – I mean, this might be the same across university teams, but the way our team kind of works is we have several people that are good at respective strokes and disciplines, so there's a fair amount of, like, intra-team competition amongst each other. And, like, our breaststrokers, all of us girls like to line up and race during practice. Uh, we have enough boys that train backstroke that like to swim together. We have a few girls that swim backstroke that like to train together. And it's every, everyone – we all really come together and race on Wednesday nights for our sprint practices. And I think, yeah, everybody on the team pretty much has at least one person that's around their speed that they can really push. And I think that's where a lot of our team success comes from. It's our, we're all really close and it's also our ability to push each other and race during practices.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree with what Andrea said there. When I first started off on the team, you know, we've got, everybody's broken up. I'm in mostly uh, the distance group and we've got our few lanes off to the side and we didn't have that many people to really train with you know thankfully I have Zach to train with from time to time but as this team has grown over the last few years we've been able to have more people come in and they've developed their skills and now you've got the racing between people in practice the camaraderie the and the you know the showdowns just at the end of practice you know just that last little bit before warm down where people are just giving it their all you know. I'm not a breaststroker. I'm gonna look for somebody who's, you know, breaststroke's not their best either, and you know, I wouldn't race them in backstroke, but I can sure, for sure, race them in breaststroke (laughs) and have some fun doing it. So the swim team's a bit different
0: than a lot of the bikes teams because the men and women train and travel together. So what's the dynamic like (laughs) between the two teams? Pretty tight.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, for the most part, I think there are. I think everybody on the team has at least one close friendship with somebody from the opposite team, you know, like I can think of even like a big team, a team as big as we have, there's going to be people kind of section themselves off into people that are in similar school disciplines. But I think every little section of the team, there's representatives from both the men's and women's team. And it's, it's really, you know, some of my closest friends are on the guy's team. Some of the guy's closest friends are on the girl's team and we don't really, yeah, I mean, it is different than the other sports where all, we all train together. And I think that brings an interesting element of competition. But it also brings a kind of a refreshing element because, yes, we train together, but you don't race the guys. So it's kind of a, a way to be friends with somebody that you train with, but you don't also have to race. I've always liked that about swimming.
3: It also has to be said, we tried our best over these, you know, over the last year, especially to make sure that we've got social events, you know, where we're getting the team together, like a Christmas potluck, you know, right after practice, <laughs> we played
2: did a Coast. secret
3: Santa, you know, I had 40 people roll up in the house, in the place that I'm renting out.
2: Ethan had three different outfits.
3: I had, I wore three different outfits that night. Wow. You know, it, getting together, you know, it was only for two hours, you know, cause it's after practice and we're getting into exams. Just spending the time together, just bringing people together so that they can get to know people outside of the pool really has developed a much greater sense of community and also closer relationships between the men and the women's team and between teammates themselves that we really were even now with the team being spread across the country right now we're still getting together online a few of us have started playing Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> together. You know, uh, it's kind of you know something I never thought I would do, but you know, it's going. all about keep those relationships. Up, we're all in this together, right? We're all in the same sport. We're all trying to do our best, and we all want to be our best academically and athletically. I got you on that one. It's
0: it's fun building that team dynamic, and
3: some teams do it in different
0: ways. I know that women's soccer team a big part of their team dynamic is Tracy has like birthday parties for all the girls on the team and stuff like that. But, um, we're kind of talking about already talking about food. So you guys are burning tons of calories and obviously you're trying to replenish them as well. So do you eat a lot of fast food or like, what do swimmers eat?
2: It depends a hundred percent on who you talk to. There are some people that are, it depends on what makes you feel good people like to eat as clean as they can and eat not necessarily low calories but clean nutrient based foods and there are other people that you literally need to eat anything they can get their hands on in order to get the calories they need to swim and yeah there are, sure there are some diets that wouldn't pass outside of a swimming standard but it's kind of just <laughs> you do what you have to do in order to have the energy you need for your practices.
3: I mean, a prime example of this is, is Richard Weinberger. He used to be on the team a few years back. He was an international medalist at world championships for marathon swimming and whatnot. Absolutely traveled the world. But he had so little body fat and he couldn't keep his calories down that his doctor, and I don't know if this was Peter or not, actually made <laughs> him get a large, the biggest McFlurry he could get from a McDonald's. Every night just oh to keep God. enough oh. just to meet the calorie count
0: <laughs> that he needed. I'm gonna start swimming guy, just so please. I could down McMahon's no then.
2: No kidding. The boy on the team that during training camp, I think I saw him eating like three or four popsicles for dinner one night. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, like Tyler's diet longer, normally. I think.
1: no i you'll be surprised i'm actually pretty healthy eater i can't my wife on the other hand she's the one that could eat like four popsicles and not
3: even be phased i'd I'd get sick if i had that many popsicles Uh, oh my god yeah no i that's like that's for me it's like i i have to be careful especially now that training has the pool training has dropped i haven't you know you have to be mindful of what you eat at the end of the day though it's just watching how many calories you're getting into the body and making sure that you are getting your vitamins and your nutrients. And But better to eating any food just to keep yourself fed is better than not eating food and trying to skimp and save. You need Absolutely. to eat, get something in you so that you can race because race cars don't run on empty. So let's say <laughs> you guys are real low on calories and you got to pick a fast food spot you're going to. What are you going to choose? Oh... Uh. Well, for me, when traveling, especially if we're flying out of Vancouver, if it's a long flight out of Vancouver and there's kind of, if there's going to be a a meal time somewhere in that travel time, I like hitting up the Tim Hortons in the little kind of where you fly into that domestic area and there's that Tim Hortons right before you go up the escalators. I like getting a large chili just because it's good protein. You know, you got your beans, you got your meat. It's a good, it's a decent option, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what I always try to get whenever I'm flying through Vancouver. But I think on the ferry, a lot of us really enjoy the buffet because oh, you yeah. can pick oh choose <laughs> what you want to eat. I mean, on the way over there, you know, you're being really mindful. You know, you're trying to keep to the leaner foods like the vegetables, chicken, rice, that sort of thing. But on the way back, I mean, you just want to eat. Andrew, how about yourself?
2: Thing. Oh my goodness. I'm just trying to think about, uh, it it entirely depends. Like if it's on the way to competition, whatever's not going to make me feel gross. So grilled cheese and Tim Hortons or, but in terms of when I, when I can, when I can be eating, when I just need something to fill that food void. When I'm that hungry, I guess, honestly, I'm a go-to is probably A&W. Nice. Yeah. Good
0: Nothing
2: Canadian, wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Before we move on, I just want to get back to this Christmas party that Ethan throws every year. How much preparation goes into it, and why did you feel the need to bring three costumes to the party?
3: every year you do this? Well, so it really only started this past year, and the only real, and I used to be renting out this place with my brother, but... He transferred over to an aerospace school in the Technical University of Delft, just outside of Amsterdam. But that was, he didn't find out until quite late in the year. So with just with how everything played out, it just ended up being that our landlord just kind of said, you know what, let's not stress. You know, he was very kind. You know, he didn't make me pick up my brother's rent. He's just like, okay, we'll just wait until... The next kind of renting season comes in and we'll take care of that. So I got this house pretty much to myself and we had it on a Wednesday evening because we were training at SCP and it was the weekend before I probably spent all day Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon organizing everything. You know, I've spent $40 on rented chairs to get 25 chairs or so. Somehow managed to fit 40 chairs in the house and table and I had <laughs> folding tables like I made it work. You know, I let the neighbors know that we were going to come up didn't have a single issue with any of the neighbors you know they were really kind and it just goes to show you know you just let your neighbors know ahead of time that you're going to have a potluck or whatever you're going to have 40 people showing up in the neighborhood and then most yeah, of the time just they a small group of 40 you know yeah just a, a casual 40 i want to know how late in the evening the last costume change arrived oh that would have been so i started off wearing a a blazer with a christmas bow tie classy And that was six thirty. Well, that was no seven thirty. And then it would. We didn't stay long, so it was probably around nine nine thirty that we were gonna do our secret Santa. And I decided I'd put on my Christmas onesie that I had, and. I got out there and, oh man, the the team just kind of went wild. Like they were just kind of like shocked. And then, so we're about (laughs) to start the uh, Secret Santa and then the team's like, oh, we want a speech. So I got like up on a stool. Here I am on a stool wearing a onesie doing like this Christmas potluck Secret Santa speech. I I know people got photos. I still have to get
0: my
2: hands.
3: Oh, you have one? Okay, I still need to get (laughs) my hands on it. but yeah, no, it's quite something. Like I went, yeah, the, the, the costumes I wore last night—I didn't really think it was that much of a deal. But you know, that seems to be all the people can talk about afterwards. That's <laughs> too good. Amazing. We're going to move along here. I know, Andrew, we're, you're kind of
1: doing this podcast on your lunch break, and we thank you for it. Mm-hmm. So we usually no end these podcasts up with a fun little game. One all of right. the things that the UVic Vikes are known for is having smart, long-term head coaches. Men's rugby and friend of the show, Doug Tate, he's been with the Vikes forever. Cross country and track had Brent Fogner step down after 31 years just to come back as assistant coach. Obviously, Bruce Wilson and Lynn Beecroft have been coaching with the Vikes longer than Liam has been alive. Swimming is no different with Peter Vizzoli. He was scheduled to enter his 38th season this year as head coach of the program. It's pretty incredible. Why is LeBron looked at as being so good? It's because he's been doing it for so long. Peter is one of the most highly regarded coaches and and one of the most successful in the country. So we mean no harm by this game that we're doing. We have nothing but
0: respect (laughs) for Peter. Huge prep is there. Yes, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We, We have a lot of respect for Peter. But as a way to show how long he's been running the program with the Vikes, we have a little game at his expense. I want to quiz you guys on famous events, and you have to determine if they've happened before or after he took over as head coach of the bike swim program.
2: Oh my god!
1: <laughs> All right. All right. So, for reference, and if my math is correct, and I'm not a numbers guy, but I believe he started in 1982. So I'm going to ask you stuff, and you got to say, did it happen before or after 1982? All right. All right? Oh boy, here we go. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna start with an easy one here. Was Michael
3: Jordan drafted by the Chicago Bulls yet?
0: No.
3: I'm going to go with Andrea and say I hope not. <laughs> Correct. Michael Jordan was drafted <laughs> in 1984. Not far off, though. Not far off.
1: Number two. Were the Toronto Blue Jays established as a Major League Baseball franchise at that point? No. I'm going to say what? yes. Ethan, guess this one. The Jays <laughs> were founded
3: in 1977. My oma is a big, uh, big baseball fan, so I think that's probably her rubbing off on me there. <laughs> yeah, you I have so not background <laughs> knowledge.
1: The first cell phone was it released before or after he started working with the Vikes?
2: Cell phone or car phone? So cell phone. It's like how? Like how? how uh but like, No. I'm gonna or say after, it has, after, after.
3: I'm gonna say after as well. Peter predates the cell phone,
1: Mike. <laughs> My uh, 10 seconds of Googling came up with 1983. It was the Motorola Dyna TAC-8000X. One of those. That's a big brick one, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. What about the Rubik's Cube? Was that invented before or after he started working with the bikes? Before. Before. Yes, not by much, though. 1980. I thought that would have been oh. much earlier than that. Wow. Oh. Up next, how about the Apple computer?
2: Oh um
3: Oh the original Peter
2: predates, Oh Peter, predates, Peter predates, it, predates the computer.
3: No. Uh the computer was released prior to Peter becoming head coach.
2: Okay. I thought it was anyway.
3: I'm not keeping score here but
1: Ethan's on a roll. I got yeah, the no, Apple I'm computer. Sorry. I got the Apple computer in 1976. So.
3: Uh, that's, that's the <laughs> date I was thinking of, actually. Wow. <laughs> to be okay. fair, though, I, I have a, I, I do have an interest, you know, I had an interest in computers and technology, so...
2: If you went for you know, world events and world history, I might be able to answer those, but in terms of sports and technology, if it's not hockey, I don't know it. <laughs>
0: okay, well, <laughs> so what about world musical history? Tyler, what's our next question? Oh. Yeah,
1: the Michael Jackson hit song, Thriller was it released before or after? He's in
2: 1984.
1: Yeah. You're both correct after, but it was 1983, so you're
2: close. Uh, ah. you're... Well then. <laughs>
1: there you go. What about the TV show The Simpsons? When did it debut, before or after 1982? Before.
2: Before 83.
1: No. Yeah. After
2: 1989. Oh. Oh. Ooh. I didn't know was that young
3: Yeah. I was led yeah, I I was led to believe it was a little bit longer running than that. Fun little
1: piece of Tyler Lowy trivia for you. It is exactly <laughs> 1 year older than me. It started on my birthday a year earlier though. Wow, congrats. Oh, that's
2: cool. Yeah, that's thank kinda, you very much. Congrats, it's a fun fact, you know, congrats you on can being born. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, last question here. Who was the prime minister of Canada in 1982? Uh, Pierre, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. It was, That yes. is correct. But on his second term, we'll still give it to you.
0: Oh, good. Huh. It still counts. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are pretty good at that. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what way that was going to go,
3: but uh, Ethan carried the team. I think, Andrea, you had some good <laughs> input as well. I, I just like to believe – I think the cards played a little bit more into my favor this time. But I think, you know, another matchup, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Andrea would have gotten me if there was a few more uh, – politics questions in there
0: i think we'll have to do a political science theme on the next one and then we'll also get peter to debate all the answers <laughs> <laughs>
2: i mean i don't know i don't know if that would be good listening for anyone but uh
0: it would I it would definitely, would definitely be uh, down for that.
2: it'd be okay, a long good.
0: one <laughs> awesome well thank you guys for coming on the Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, It's been cool to chat with both of you and learn a lot more about the swim team as well. So uh, we hope to see you guys in the pool sooner rather than later, obviously with all the events and changes that have come recently, but yeah, keep training and we're looking forward to seeing you soon. Thank you very much. Thank
2: you.
1: Thanks once again to Ethan and Andrea for giving us a bunch of their time. We thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Now, Liam, I know we've kind of joked around on this podcast in the past about maybe hopping in a, a two-man boat, doing some rowing. You've bragged about how skilled you are on the badminton court. What about in the pool? How good of a swimmer are you?
0: I'm pretty good. I, uh, my goal was to actually do one swimming session a week before COVID hit, but obviously that changed. So right before things happen, I got myself a pair of goggles, got myself a speedo, so I can go fast. So, are you suggesting that we do a tag team relay against Ethan and Andrea?
1: We could, yes. I was saying like a heads up race, me versus you, but I'm, you know, I think a a race between the four of us would be great.
0: A relay. I race. think we'll we'll have to do a heads up race. I think the winner of that will be the anchor. I think we'll so, have to do half of the amount of swimming that they'll do, though. We'll do like. I don't know, a hundred meters and then they'll do 200 or something.
1: Yeah. The swimmers on our vice team, they're like fish in the water compared to the rest of us. I know mm-hmm. from experience. I mean, I raced them for this ridiculous video I made leading into the e Sport swim championships. I had flippers on, I had the head cap on and the speedo. I, there's no way I could have gone any faster and I got absolutely dusted by those swimmers.
0: Yeah. You know what? One thing that I don't admire about swimmers is having to get in those tight, tiny suits or feel like they're fitting themselves into a rubber glove. I I don't ever want to have to go through that. I'm curious
1: though. What do you think your best stroke would be?
0: Oh, you know what? I don't think we backstroke. I just have a phobia of water going up my nose in that stroke. You know, know, they got Uh, nose plugs for that. Yeah, I think I just have to go old faithful, though, and just say the freestyle. I feel like that's my most common stroke when I I swim in lakes and and oceans. So I think it would transfer well to the pool.
1: That's probably the one I could go the fastest in. I mean, you can just kind of go all out and empty the tank. But definitely my most enjoyable, like when I'm just like casually swimming, is I like a good breaststroke. You just go at your own pace. You're just bobbing up and down in the water. I I enjoy that one the, the best.
0: Yeah, I imagine it's pretty fun. I don't know if I could say I would do it casually, though. I feel like when I'm just having a casual swim, I just resort to the the backstroke and just take a look at the sky. Some nice clouds.
1: Well, water's going to go up your nose.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, if you're going fast, water's going to fly up your nose. And I also don't think my shoulders have that mobility to actually get across and over my body without hurting myself.
1: Yeah, there's some weird flexibility with their shoulders and Andrea talked about the flexibility with her knees and her hips. And that's something you don't really think about too much when you think about swimming.
0: No, wouldn't even have thought of that at all. No, not, Mm -hmm. not one bit. Okay, Tyler. So if people want more content, what can they do to help us out?
1: We're always looking for more guests. I think we're getting most of these sports covered here. I think there's a couple, we still got some cross country and track athletes to interview women's basketball, So we're getting most of the sports crossed off our list here. If anyone wants to hear an athlete or a friend of theirs on a podcast and they think they'd have some fun with Liam and I, maybe even someone who's got some hot takes on some food items, let us know. We'll set it up and uh, we'll make it happen.
0: You know, I would just love some hot takes on anything. I think any kind of hot take on a podcast is maybe my favorite content.
1: We're circling around this women's rowing podcast with our good friend, Larissa McKinley, who was a fantastic rower for the Vikes for a number of years and now is running the events with yourself. And that's going to be a fun one. I I don't, I know we don't have to plan too much for that one. We're all pretty good friends. We can just uh, riff on each other, but looking forward to whenever we get around to that one.
0: Yeah. I know she's excited too. Same boat. She doesn't want to do too much scripting. I think she's just going to let the hot takes fly i will say this though like
1: i had larissa in one scene in that basketball video i made and it took her like 35 takes to say like two lines so i know a podcast is a little different because i can edit them all out but i'm
0: curious to see how she's going to handle it i mean i have no idea i think it's going to be funny however way it goes i think that she should have won an emmy for that for that little uh she had in your basketball video. What did she say yeah. something about? Tyler throwing the garbage or something. Yeah, she was giving me a hard
1: time about throwing stuff around the office. But yeah, best supporting actress. And she's uh, she's got some good competition with the girls from the women's basketball team for sure.
0: Well, if you like what you hear, don't be afraid to write us a friendly review. Not too friendly so that it doesn't look suspicious. But leave us a nice comment. Five-star rating would be greatly appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe.
1: Have a great day, everybody. The next episode will hopefully be out on the following Monday. But until then, stay safe and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Give and Go Vikes podcast, supported by the UVic Alumni Association.